Hello and welcome to Mental Awakening, the podcast that explores all topics related to trauma recovery, mental health, chronic pain, and healing. I'm your host, Sarah DeKeely, psychotherapist and mental health social worker. And in this episode, I will be exploring the gift of anger and how to understand and better manage and process our anger. Hi, everybody. It's good to be back for another episode with you guys. When I first started this podcast, I set an intention to record one episode every fortnight. However, since then, life has gotten very busy. And so what I've decided to do is to just go with the flow of the changes of life and record something, as in record an episode when I have something to say. Something that is of importance and something that will help support others and not necessarily show up for the sessions just because I've set that intention. And the reason I'm sharing this with you guys is because it's so important that we go with the flow of life and the, the changes of our lives, that we don't necessarily, you know, remain stuck and stagnant in how things should be. It's always good to set intentions and it's always good to follow through and be consistent. However, sometimes, well not sometimes, always, life happens and we also need to be flexible enough to go with the changes of life. And so moving forward, I've decided to set a new intention for this podcast and that is to make sure that every episode that I do upload is of great value to you all and it is an episode where I really do have something to say. So I'm letting go of controlling how and when that happens but I will nevertheless remain consistent in the fact that it does happen. All right so let's get into today's episode. The topic of today is really all about anger, <laughs> understanding our anger, understanding the gift of anger. One of the things that I've come to realize in my own life is that anger is a powerful guide. It is always giving us insight into what's going on for us on an emotional and psychological level. So anger, I just want to clarify that it's not just one single emotion. There are a lot of other emotions that fall under the category of anger, such as frustration, yeah, such as feeling um, stubborn, <laughs> being stubborn, being bitter, being aggressive, being short-tempered, passive-aggressive behavior falls under anger, impatience, rebellious behavior, feeling obviously furious and violent and irritated and controlling, being hostile, being offensive, being jealous, being spiteful, being critical. So these are all examples of various behaviors and emotions that fall under anger the umbrella of anger. And one thing that I just want to highlight is that when we bury anger 
we actually end up becoming incredibly miserable and we also end up becoming sick. Working within the field of mind-body related disorders, every day I see people who have an enormous amount of suppressed anger and rage within them. Dr. Sano, who has been a pioneer in the field of you know, chronic pain and mind-body related disorders and issues, highlighted this in his books, you know, just how a lot of the people that you worked with and dealt with in his entire career um, who experienced back pain and chronic pain of any kind had anger issues, had rage issues. And so when we bury our anger, it is literally a recipe for unhappiness. It also leads to the dampening of positive emotions, such as joy, such as happiness, right? Feeling good. And the reason we often tend to choose to bury our anger is because well, our first experience with anger as children has often been rejected by our nearest and dearest. So when you throw a temper tantrum as a child, whether it's a large one or a small one, you get punished for it. So we learn from a young age that being angry is bad and it's something that you should keep to yourself or you should suppress. And so as an adult, when anger gets the best of you, you're not going to show it. You're not going to show it to the people around you. Um, or it could be that it goes the other way around where you actually end up projecting your anger and you end up becoming quite aggressive as a person. Some people become too comfortable with anger, whereas others get frightened by anger. And in that fear, there's also defensiveness and there's anger in return. So exchanges of anger often lead to a lot of regret and shame. And, you know, it's not something that we want to stay stuck in. I want to highlight that anger is not something that um, is bad, you know. It doesn't also mean that you're throwing tantrums and that you're constantly walking around um, completely projecting and expressing your anger. The way that we process anger in a healthy way is by understanding it. Why is this showing up for me? Why is this here? What is this anger trying to reveal to me? And then once we understand why it's here and why, it's, why it has shown up, that's when we can actually use that anger for our benefit and that's how we process it. That's we, how we turn it around. So embracing anger is all about turning inward and understanding yourself. Spending time with anger helps you learn and understand what's underneath it. What is really going on? You know, working within the field of mind-body related disorders and chronic pain, I often have pretty much every day I see clients who tell me that you know, they're, they're in pain and they've got various different kinds of, all kinds of symptoms. I mean, I've even got clients telling me that their eye hurts or their eye is burning or, um, you know, it burns when they go to the bathroom. It could be all kinds of, you know, or skin, their skin is burning. And interestingly enough, um, 
I, I always, once we get to explore what's going on for them on an emotional and psychological level, what tends to be revealed is that there is a lot of anger within them. There's frustration, there's resentment, there's jealousy, there's the feeling of disturbance, of wanting their lives to be different than what it is, wanting something to be different than what it is, or perhaps that there's a need that's not being met. So what we need to do is treat every inner disturbance as a clue. In my own life, nothing really started to change or nothing ever changes unless I, I pay attention to the disturbances within me. The little irritations, the annoyances that were all signs of anger. And so I started to realize that everything that's bubbling up is a guide. It's showing me something. And often, you know, in the past, I would disregard what was showing up. I would distract myself from what was showing up. I would do anything but to feel it. I would vent about it, but I wouldn't fully pay attention to it. One thing that um, I've experienced quite a lot of in my life has been anger around not having healthy boundaries not implementing healthy boundaries, or even when I think I'm implementing healthy boundaries, sometimes just letting my guard down and allowing certain people to basically disrespect or walk over me or um, say things or do things that are incredibly hurtful. And so this has been something that I've had a lot of experience with in my life because as a child, I was never taught what boundaries were. My boundaries were, in fact, repeatedly disrespected by my parents. And so what I learned at a young age is that when people love you, this is how they treat you. They disrespect you, and that's a sign of love. Obviously, rationally, this doesn't make sense. But when we do get involved in our relationships, whether it's with um, you know, a partner, or children, friends, family, or even colleagues, because that connection is so important for us and because there's a part of us that really doesn't want to be rejected and really wants to belong and really cares so much about the other person's feelings and needs, we end up in turn rejecting and dishonoring ourselves. So often I remained silent. Often I would agree to things that, you know, I didn't want to agree with. Often I would, you know, do anything but to stand out. I would avoid speaking my truth. I would avoid the feelings of discomfort that would come up after speaking my truth or implementing a boundary. And, and so this increases the, the experience of anger within our bodies. So when we don't attune to the energy of anger the energy ends up getting blocked within our physiology. And I've said this before in previous episodes, we are made of energy. Energy is a part of our, you know, our makeup. You know, it's not, we're not just flesh and bones. And so when your energy is weak, your physiology will naturally weaken because there is a blockage in the system of your body. And so when there is a blockage, the energy doesn't flow as it's meant to. So if you, for example, look at animals like dogs as an example, 
Um, if you ever, if you've ever been to a dog park and you've watched how they interact, if a one dog oversteps the boundaries of another dog, they will bark. They will let them know that hey, this is not okay. And I have used this example in previous episodes where, you know, this is something that exists. Uh, it's it's a part of our nature, you know, to express, to allow for whatever's coming up to be released. The truth is that, you know, boundaries help us lead a healthier life. We owe it to ourselves, you know, to set healthy boundaries. It's a sign of true love. It's a sign of true respect. We need boundaries to express self-love, self-respect, and to also protect ourselves, you know, when our space is being invaded or our needs are not being met. Um, I have already made an episode about boundaries, but I think it's such an important topic. I mean, it's been such a relevant um, topic that has come up repeatedly with every single client that I have worked with. And this is because, you know, we live in a culture that actually reinforces and praises and rewards people who overwork, who are people pleasers, who um, self-sacrifice. And so when we get rewarded for that behavior, then obviously we need ongoing and numerous reminders of the importance of boundaries. Because a lot of the difficulties that we experience stem largely from the fact that no one has taught us how to place boundaries in the first place. You know, during our childhood, um, most of us experience an invasion. You know, as a small child, you, you're always invaded. Your space is invaded, your needs, you're told what to do, you're told what's good for you. Um, you're dismissed for what you think or what you say. Obviously, conscious parenting does the opposite of this, but the majority of us were not raised with conscious parents. These concepts are only now starting to become areas that more and more people are interested in learning about. But still, even to this day, there are millions and millions, billions, in fact, of people who are incredibly unconscious of some of the things that I'm talking about here. So our parents were not taught how to love, how to protect, and how to respect themselves. So even though they were well-meaning in their efforts, they still ended up invading their child's space without being aware of it, whether it's about the child's beliefs or what they should believe or how they should be or what they should wear or what they should do and so on. You know, a lot of parents see their children as this entity, this little being that belongs to them, that is entirely theirs and not a separate human being. And they don't often have the awareness that, you know what, I don't own the life of this little being that this little being needs unconditional love and support until it can live in a self-sufficient way. Children do not belong to their parents. They basically live, they come through their parents and they belong to life, they belong to their own lives. They sometimes have different dreams, different goals, and what they need is respect, you know, and boundaries are what respect is all about. When you respect someone, 
you honor their boundaries. What happens is that when our space gets invaded from a very young age, we actually end up mistakenly interpreting that invasion as someone's love for us. But it has nothing to do with love. It's a false assumption of love. And it's a hard thing for us to comprehend this. You know, it's not until you experience several painful experiences that you start to go, wait a minute, Something's, something just isn't working here. These patterns I have in place are no longer working. So we need to be able to express our truth honestly. And if someone is crossing our boundaries, we need to be able to develop the capacity to stop that kind of unwanted behavior and to communicate that through. And if we don't, then yes, there will be a lot of anger. There will be resentment. And I was saying before, you know, everything is energy. Emotions are nothing but energy. They linger in the body if they're not expressed. So unexpressed anger turns into aggression. The suppression of anger takes effort and it ends up blocking our throat or our heart or our solar plexus. So we feel it in our stomach area. We tend to feel it, you know, with various gut-related issues, acid refluxes and so on. So it's not that sometimes it's not even the, per the person has caused you anger. It's just that you're not expressing your boundary to the person or you have accepted something that you should have said no to or you should have spoken up about. And that's why you're angry. So anger is often considered as the force to push the invader out of your space by expressing your boundaries in a, an appropriate manner. And it's also something that's coming up so that you can identify your needs. So what happens is that when you've learned to control yourself to such a degree that you can't express your anger, you're going to continue to experience harmful emotions that are trapped in your body. And when they're trapped inside your body, you know, for a long period of time, or um, let's say if this is a conditioning and this is how you end up going about life, like I said before, you will experience health-related issues because that energy is stuck within your physiology. Commonly, what's underneath anger is the feeling of powerlessness. So the person that gets angry they get angry because they feel powerless. Either they have given their power away unconsciously or someone has taken their power away from them or this is how they're interpreting it. And so as children, most of us would have felt this feeling of powerlessness at one point or another. You know, if you think of the traditional parenting styles, which were, were often authoritarian and based around religion or, you know, strict cultural um, I guess, upbringing, all of those things do impact how powerless you would have felt as a child. And so when you experience those emotions, those emotions, they don't just go away. They remain in your psyche. They remain in your body. And so your brain will do everything it can to prevent that experience from happening again. And so anger is something that often you know, we use as a way to get out of hopelessness, and some people do it forcefully, um, you know, narcissistic behavior and ego-driven actions. 
But other people, they're completely unconscious of it. They actually tend to suppress it. So if you look at uh, people who have, for example, autoimmune-related disorders or fibromyalgia, for example, where there's a constant feeling of lack of energy, um, pain in the body, chronic pain in the body, um, feeling heat in the body, you know, inflammation. All of these things comes from stuck energy, stuck anger that hasn't been processed. So processing anger is really important because if you don't process it, then what happens is that you end up actually getting out of alignment with your true self, your authentic self, you know, your higher self. And when we do that, we become powerless, even more powerless. We feel victimized. This is one of the reasons that people end up getting caught up in things like rebellious behavior. You know, they rebel or they um, do things that are self-destructive because they want to feel powerful, but it's a false sense of power. So processing anger is really important because otherwise you stay stuck in that energy and you actually end up vibrating on a much lower frequency, which means that you end up bringing in and creating from a place of disempowerment, a place of fear, a place of ego. And this is obviously a recipe for disaster, but a lot of people are not necessarily conscious of these things. So they continue to repeat the same behavior over and over again. So what could fuel your anger besides hopelessness could be even things like rejection. If you felt rejected as a child or if you felt rejected at various points in your, you know, in your life, that rejection, if it's not processed, will fuel the anger, you know, if you experience rejection again, which of course you will do because it's part of life. And so when we don't heal from these various triggers and wounds, we end up actually staying stuck in them. Again, these things need to be processed and dived into deeper within a therapeutic context. And it's not something that I can do, you know, in a podcast episode. So I really do encourage you to connect with a therapist, particularly a holistic therapist who isn't going to get caught up in psychological theories, which I think is very unhelpful because then we're actually addressing the issues from a place of mind as opposed to really working with the body. A lot of times when people have been feeling helpless, they use anger as a way to gain control over other people. You know, for example, I grew up in a household where for me, anger was something that I felt quite scared of because my father was very angry and he was quite aggressive. So what I used to do was I used to do everything I could to create harmony in the home so that he wouldn't get angry. So I would be a pleaser. I would be a yes person. I would be a good girl. And I would suppress my own emotions around anger. However, my sibling ended up doing the opposite, where she actually became quite aggressive herself. And that was because she felt so powerless in that situation that she realized from a young age that the only way I can feel strong and powerful is to act like dad, to be aggressive, to be forceful, to be controlling, to be a bit of a bully. And so these are all patterns. These are all survival patterns. And ego-driven patterns because everything that we are, our identity and personality is just the ego. That's all it is. Who we truly are beyond our identity and our personality is not 
these patterns. It's not these trauma patterns. It's not, you know, the survival patterns. We're completely trusting and loving um, beings if we were to be completely in alignment. So when you are dealing with people who have an aggressive way of, I guess, approaching life, you need to have even stronger boundaries than what you normally would do because those people can take over and that's their way of coping and that's their way of feeling like they can have power and control. So how do we deal with anger? I know for me personally, there's been times when I've experienced a lot of anger, frustration, resentment, and that's because of my own limiting beliefs, beliefs that I've had about myself, about where my life should be, by what age or how my life should look or what I don't have, focusing on what's missing, comparison, frustration with myself, frustrations with my body, where my health is at, how long it takes me to recover or to feel better, beliefs such as my body should always feel good, being very unkind and having incredibly high expectations of myself. All of those things can bring about a level of anger that is more um, a reflection of your beliefs, your limiting beliefs. Messages that you have picked up from childhood around who you think you need to be in order to be good enough, in order to be worthy. But there's also another type of anger, and that anger is often when we, you know, we experience it based on other people's behavior. So allowing and enabling other people to treat us a certain way can bring about an enormous amount of anger. And the reason we do that um, quite often has to do with what we want from them to begin with. So if there is a deep-seated need inside of you to belong, to receive the love and attention of the, this particular person, to be accepted by them, or even if there is just a general deep-seated need to belong or, or to be loved or to be rescued, then what happens is that we can give more than we need to give. We can overshare, we can let people in, even if it's a close friend or a family member or a loved one. You know, they haven't proven to be emotionally safe enough for us to share with them or connect with them at that level. So it's, it's good to be mindful of that too, you know, that what you're portraying, the energy that you're portraying also plays a big part in all of this. Do you have a need and a desire to be rescued and saved? Then guess what? You're going to bring in people who want to get enmeshed and who want to be codependent and who want to have, um, let's say, a relationship dynamic with you where there are no boundaries. So these are things that are important to reflect on because, uh, as I always say, awareness is your superpower. The first step to changing any pattern is to become aware. And as you become aware, something in your energy shifts. And then the next step is to make a different choice. Because obviously, if you make the same choice, you always get the same result. But if you change your choices, the results will change too. The outcome will change. Often when there is this deep-seated need to belong and to be approved of by others, then it's harder for us to maintain our boundaries. So having clarity about your boundaries are really important. 
And the way to know what your boundaries are, like I think I've mentioned this in previous episode in the episode about boundaries, is to really know yourself. And one very good way to start getting to know yourself is to create a relationship with your body. So body scans are a perfect way to turn inwards. How does my body feel right now? What sensations can I notice? Are any parts of my body feeling tense or feeling vulnerable? How does that part of my body feel? Has a shift occurred? How does my entire body feel when, you know, I am around, let's say, a specific person or when I do certain things or when I think certain thoughts? And so when we have a practice, a daily practice of scanning our body, getting really tuned in to its various sensations and messages, and also journaling is a really helpful way of exploring what's going on. You know, what parts of my body need some extra love, care, attention, and why? What's the one simple thing that I can do every day to show these parts of me more love, more care, more attention, to show myself these things? You know, how would I feel if I loved all of me unconditionally exactly the way that I am? These are just some very basic questions that you can start with as a way to get to know yourself. What makes me feel good? How can I love myself better? The other thing that I think is important to mention here is expectations. Expectations are another thing that cause a great deal of anger from within us, frustration, you know, disappointment. Expectations are pretty much a double-edged sword, you know, they're helpful when used mindfully, but they can also be a hindrance when they're not used mindfully. Again, reflection is so important, you know, this is how we get to know ourselves. So reflecting on the expectations that you have for yourself in all areas of your life, perhaps considering, you know, the area of your career, education, home life, relationship, and even your possessions, including the expectation that you place on other people. All of these things um, can be a really good way to gain a deeper understanding of why you get angry. So questions to explore are, you know, what are some of my expectations when it comes to, let's say, the place I live? You know, what do I expect from my neighbors, from my life, from myself, from other people? And is this expectation causing me unnecessary stress? Is it truly what I want for myself? Or does it come from, you know, an external source or a limiting belief or a deep-seated wound? What would my life look like if I let go of this expectation? And if I can't let it go, then how can I make it healthy and realistic? One of the things in my life that has repeatedly led to a fair bit of frustration and anger has been expectations. My expectations on how 
life should be, by what age, you know, my expectations on other people and relationships, my expectations on myself. I've had some very high expectations and much of those expectations stem from my inner critic and also the voice of my mother. God bless her, but she had some very high expectations. And that usually stems from deep-seated insecurity, you know, when we feel deeply insecure, we tend to raise the bar for ourselves and in turn project that on other people too. Now, I'm not suggesting that you don't have standards and preferences by any means, but I think it's really important to explore your expectations because often when our expectations are unrealistic and too high and too controlling, then what happens is that we end up resisting life as it is. We end up resisting living in the present moment and we end up, you know, dismissing people as they are and as they show up. And this is something that can cause a great deal of disappointment, you know, and anger, frustration, suffering. So I want to leave you guys with a couple of constructive ways to process anger. Again, identify and validate your emotions. I used to be the queen of ignoring and suppressing my emotions. And I really am not proud of it because every time I felt anger, I used to grind my teeth. I used to shove my feelings inside and pretend that everything was great. And it wasn't. I was constantly frustrated and living in resistance. I was lying to myself and I was also quite unconscious of how I was feeling. I didn't think I was an angry person and yet there was so much rage inside of me and I could recognize that once I started to identify the sensations in my body and also recognizing the judgments, the repeated continuous judgments in my mind. So validating is really important. When you validate your anger, you recognize that it's an understandable reaction. You allow yourself to feel your natural emotions. You know, you reassure yourself with compassionate self-talk like, I'm feeling angry and it makes sense considering how stressed and tired I am, right? I can be with this feeling for a while. I can allow myself to feel this anger. So this is how we validate our anger. This is how we identify it and validate it. Obviously, pausing and making time to tune in is important because otherwise, how are you going to identify it, right? So having some form of daily practice where you can check in with yourself is absolutely crucial in this work. It doesn't work otherwise, you know, and if you don't like journaling, then Record your voice, talk to yourself, record it on your phone and then listen back because that will give you a lot of insight into what's going on for you. So we might also feel guilty when something happens, you know, when you feel angry, when you implement boundaries, you can feel a sense of guilt or anxiety might arise and you might get triggered and this is why validating anger is so important because it helps you build your ability to accept it without being judgmental. It's like telling yourself, it's okay that I'm feeling this way. There's nothing wrong with me. I can cope with this. 
I can be with discomfort. Being with discomfort is a big part of the work that I do. Learning about emotional resilience, learning how to be with things that you have been running away from most of your life. If we don't do that, we're not going to strengthen our resilience muscle. We're going to stay stuck in patterns of avoidance, running away from our emotions and doing the exact same thing that we've done most of our lives, which is focus on the symptom as opposed to the emotion underneath the symptom. Having an understanding of your emotional world is life-changing. It changes everything. And it helps you be less afraid whenever you do have symptoms. This is also something that supports our nervous system. So it helps us become better at regulating our nervous system. So the next thing I, I really um, recommend is to tap into empathy. When you're able to understand your own emotions and the emotions of other people, you actually in increase your emotional intelligence. You can be more empathic. And when someone triggers your anger, you can recognize that they're feeling sad or they're feeling guilty or frustrated or stressed or lonely. And you won't take it as personally. It doesn't minimize your emotional experience, but you can start to realize that actually what's going on here has got nothing to do with me and everything to do with that person's projection of how they're feeling. It doesn't mean that you're a punching bag. It doesn't mean that people can just dump things on you and treat you the way they want to. Not at all. Again, boundaries are always important and it's crucial and you have to verbalize that and implement that. But you can be both assertive and compassionate. Anger can be a compelling emotion. Sometimes we feel like when we're angry, we have to take action straight away. But if we can work on delaying the response by, you know, just telling yourself, all right, I'm just going to take a rain check and just breathe through this or give myself an hour to calm down or a day to calm down it can help you to see things a bit more clearly as well. It doesn't mean that you suppress the anger. When anger starts to boil up inside of you, it's like this energy, right? So the, instead of stopping it, you can do things like go to a safe place, whether it's inside in, in your car or in your bedroom and just <sighs> scream or, you know, really just yell out into your pillow or just somewhere where no one's hearing you and you feel like you can really let the energy out because if the energy stays stuck in your body, that's when it becomes unhelpful. So you can process anger in a way that is a bit more helpful and that will also help you to, you know, just get it out of your system in a way that's safe and then process it. Okay, why is this coming up? What's the trigger? What has been um, triggering me? And so when you let yourself cool down, you're able to see, you know, the best action that you could take to deal with the situation. I like to also think of it as looking at the situation like you're a fly on the wall, you know. It's just observing the situation from the outside in. And this is something that we get better at doing when we um, implement the practice of meditation. Because meditation really helps you to become the observer of your mind as opposed to the reactor of your mind. So taking deep breaths, getting physical, maybe just even going for a walk or 
doing some exercise can be really a helpful way of shifting the energy inside your body. There's nothing wrong with venting and talking to someone about your anger, but sometimes that can actually reinforce a victim consciousness and, and it can actually reinforce the anger. Not that you need to keep everything bottled up. You just have to be very intentional about how you choose to have a conversation about, you know, what's happened or how you're feeling. So what's really good to be mindful of here is whether, you know, venting about it is making you feel better or making you feel worse. If the anger persists, it's really important to speak to a professional. When we're dealing with suppressed anger and suppressed rage, it's too hard and difficult to have to you know, process all of it on our own. We need professional support, especially as the anger starts to impact your well-being, your physical health, your relationships. And that's when it's time to speak to a therapist. There is nothing wrong with getting angry. It's a completely natural human emotion like all other emotions. It's just that when anger starts stealing all of your joy on a day-to-day -day basis, that's when it's an issue. I used to um, live in Spain for a while, and it was so interesting for me to observe how comfortable people there were with their anger. They would express it like, you know, like it was nothing. They were completely comfortable expressing their anger towards each other, with each other, and they wouldn't even take it personally. Most of the time, it was more like, in Spanish, they call it saltar la mierda, which means getting rid of shit. <laughs> and even though it's a form of venting and it's not necessarily mindful, it was still a really good way for people to just be completely comfortable and accepting of their emotions and their feelings. They don't suppress as much as we do, and they don't necessarily focus as much on what other people think of them as we do in our culture. And it's very liberating. I love this quote by Gandhi, where he says, every time you feel great anger, stop and write down who and what caused your feelings and why you reacted so angrily. The goal is to get to the root of the anger. Only when you understand the source can you find a solution? The thing that inspired me about his work and how he was able to change not just his nation, you know, his, his country was suppressed under the British Empire. He not only used his anger as fuel for changing his country, he also used it as fuel for changing the world and for changing himself. I mean, he's one of his most famous quotes is be the change you wish to see in the world. And so I truly believe that if we can use our anger as fuel for change, it will benefit us because it can act as an incredible motivator to help us change the way we go about living our lives or the way we've continuously done things or the way that we think or the way that we behave you know, and, and so holding on to anger, holding on to resentment is never the key because it's all these little things that we do every day from judging people to being resentful, to being frustrated, to being in resistance. These are all passive forms of violence that we inflict on ourselves and on other people. 
So respect your anger, understand your anger, honor your anger, and make time for your anger. All right, everybody, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're interested in working with me, please visit mentalawakening.com.au. And if you love this episode, please do subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcast as it will help more people access the information shared here. I look forward to speaking to you guys again next time with a brand new topic. Until then, take care, everybody. Bye for now.